Welcome to the 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast, a retrospective. Hey folks, Brennan here. Thanks for tuning in to our 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you want to reach out or follow us, we're on Facebook and YouTube as 25 Years of Vampire the Masquerade, Twitter, Instagram, and Twitch as 25 Years of VTM, and on our website at 25yearsofvtm.com. Support us on Patreon at patreon.com slash 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. Hey everybody, welcome this week to our Werewolf the Wild West as we uh, put on our, uh, what is it, slap on our irons, getting our <laughs> shit kickers on and we're about to go rustle up some cattle, uh, but uh, we're going to have to put the soup on until we're done talking to everybody, hollering at you. Mm-hmm. Chewing Finally the fat, covering the say. final frontier, right? The That's fi- what this one is. This is well, this is Space Werewolf, right? That's the book I read. I don't know about mm. y'all. <laughs> there ain't no space werewolves here on this here podcast. Shit. <laughs> ah well. Well. I suppose uh we're gonna give a good greeting there to Brennan. How you doing? Oh, hi everyone. And I reckon we're gonna say hi to Mike as it's safe to do so in this century. Howdy. <laughs> A lot of good fun we're going to have today on Frontier <laughs> Secrets. Um, what I'm going to tell you is that this book does not have a whole lot of uh, oomph in terms of content and religious aspersions. But what it does introduce us is to a few new concepts that we're, we're liking to get along to. And to help us on that journey, we're going to have us here uh, a good hoot nanny, proper talking to. And in the end, we're going to know what's going on. But since I already know, Mike is pilfered. The good ingredients of what Guy has given everyone. Uh, Mike, you care to get into your favorite catch choice of gifts to introduce the beginning of this book right here? Uh, well, now, it wasn't the gifts. So they start, there's a separate section, right, where they talk about gifts for your normal uh, guy. Right, and that, that wasn't surprising or impressive. I think there's a couple of them in there that I hadn't read before. Um... But then when you get to the gifts, because, you know, there's some other changing breeds included in this text that they want you to, to have the lowdown about. And when you actually see what they let some of these other changing breeds have, it's like this it, this has got to be a plant, right? They're trying to trick me. These, what these, you mean? They, they want me to have a reason to include these extra powerful uh, 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 cousins. The Argaru in my game, so they let him do this wild, wild stuff. Well, maybe we could shed some light into this story for you. Your conundrum, as it might say, directly comes from the fact that we deal with frontier secrets, a big secret, <laughs> and understanding the werewolf can, and that we may not be the heroes we originally prophesized. Know what I'm talking about? Right, right. You're right. So, um, in the event someone may find my lovely southern country voice mixed with the West voice as I would rock the whole time. I'm going to stop in case someone gets really pissed off. I'm doing that. Although I live 10 years in Mountain Home Market, so I'm entitled. And, uh, but I will let that go. Uh, and we'll just be normal. Um, reason being is because I want to get to the actual, the meat here. And what you're talking about is why they give the gifts first. And then you're like, Oh, look at what all those other fair get. This book introduces you to the other Pharaoh. Not that you didn't have a new book before. Right. And then, you know, before them, the Bastet book. They're not saying that. In fact, both those books are mentioned to go get them in this book mm-hmm. to understand them further and better. But this is saying from a werewolf, the Wild West perspective, 
we have a book that you could use if you don't have either of those two to help you get by. And that's this. But they had a truth. Now, I said the werewolves were, were kind of villains of Werewolf the Apocalypse. Yeah. I've, I've more than hinted to that. I even said, all your talk about... S- Go ahead. I saw... Oh, oh. No, no. So I, I'm totally... I'm with you. You say you, say you, have, you have mentioned before werewolves are villains, and we've seen like hints of that in other books that we've done. But is this book the first time we have a reliable narrator who suggests that? Um, because I not remember... Even a, oh, go ahead. Go ahead. Go ahead. It's not a narrator. That suggests it. It's directly written in to let you understand what the War of Rage is. Right? So they, they write in the in the book in the, in the context that it's the West, so it still has that feel. But I highly, I, I wouldn't consider it narration of a specific character as much as it is the feel of where you're at at this point in Guru history. Because what they're showing you is that they're talking about the War of Rage. Yeah. Now, up yeah, to I this quote, yeah. So up to, up to this, we copied a quote. Oh, you're talking about his intro to it? No, I'm talking. It's uh, no, no, it's page sixteen somewhere. I, I don't, I don't have the quote. Hit me right with the quote. Hit me with okay, the quote, okay, Larry. Don't uh, worry about the appealing to the jury. It just says the the Dairu had staked their claim as the preeminent warriors of Gaia, even if they'd sacrificed their honor to do. And he jumped off the page to me because I don't remember ever reading somewhere else where like a plain text, not italicized, not from the perspective of some audience character, just in the black and white of the page, it says. The Garu dishonored themselves by the way they conducted the trade. There are two tribe books we haven't touched yet. Okay. Uktena and Wendigo. Mm. And they're going to come after this book. At least Uktena is up on the, on the docket this month. But you're going to see there's a reason for that. They made sure everybody else got to talk about the War of Rage first. And to me, it's master storytelling. They knew what the werewolves actually were. And the War of Rage is trying to tell you that. But up to this point, what's your understanding of what the War of Rage was? From from what you've read, from the perspectives. Um, so I know that the War of Rage is somehow separate from the Impergium, and the uh, the Garu go around and start trying to like force the other changing breeds in line to you know fall in line or to follow their leadership or some such for some reason, and I don't remember why. If I remember right, I think the first War of Rage started because uh, the the Silver Fang wanted the like, wasn't it the the right from the uh, the Bear Changers? We're not there today yet. We're not there today yet. All right, okay. Because you're right that they wanted something, and they do cite the Garal as not giving right. up that. You're correct, but I, but I know you're also by just how you put that up, you're coming from the perspective of the Garal book. Mm. That tells you straight up what they saw, what it was. I'm trying to stick to the slow removal of the Band-Aid that they're going. Because I uh, think they did okay. it very good, right? Um, so, But along that vein, um, from what you've read up to this point, sans the Garal book, what, do you, what has been the acting story so far? Because you're right, Brennan. Just leave out that important part. <laughs> uh, the acting the story thus far was... Something like um, I, I don't I don't even remember the specifics because I think every every tribe had something different. I don't remember the Red Talons only did it because the Silver Fangs really ordered it and they're the Alpha tribe. I don't remember Alpha or the Silver Fang reason, but uh, the Get I know did it because they were like they had the mindset of they have these places of power, these cairns, and if they cannot control it, then we need to. Perfect. Let's stop right there. <clears throat> right, because the Wild West reinforces the story. Mm-hmm. It says this carte blanche that as far as the modern guru are aware, the war of rage was all about the silver things in charge told the Pharaoh, you will fall in line and you will, you will give us something. And, and it's some sort of secret. And they were like, no, 
like we're holding to our purpose. We're not doing that. And nobody even waited for that. The Silver Fangs ordered their death. The War of Rage was not let's beat them up and take any specific ground. It was their extinction. Mm. That's why they operated like we killed them all. They're all dead. We got rid of them and we took their territory and we and we took their cairns, most important. Now, the Get did it for glory. It was a test of strength. What's stronger, a wolf or a bear? Well, we're going to find out. And that's all the Get really needed to know. To them, they were testing the werewolf versus every pharah. And, and, and by pharah, we mean other shapeshifters. It's, that is what you call them. Uh, mm-hmm. Because of that, you have a... Um, I, I don't, I don't want to say prejudice, but you have it exactly what the guru are. They teamed up. And, and like, did you ever think that the pharah were not told that they were in a war? No, I don't think they were ever told. I don't think that uh, it's anything like, uh, you know, Silver Fang King sent a declaration of war to the king of all the other fair. I think they just started wrecking house. They just took their packs, which their strength is in numbers, which is a hypocrisy. Mm -hmm. You say your strength is in numbers, yet you didn't jump the Garal in any capacity that the Garal had a fair shake whatsoever. In fact... I'm willing to bet you'd find that Glasswalkers use their own kin to get guns to hunt and track and shoot while the werewolves ran in and did what they had to do, calling bears a problem and saw to their extinction. And that's what they tried to do. But the Grawl were crafty, right? They have their means. We'll get to them as to how they survived that. But the Bastet had no such luck. Like we learned from the Bastet book, they're solitary, right, Mike? We were talking about that. Yeah, yeah. To to a fault. Uh, Apparently, especially the Pumanka. So, mm, right. Mm. So, so if they're out here having their own territory and they're living their own means and they're not asking anyone for help because they're out here serving their purpose to Gaia, well, the group don't give a shit about that. They showed up, smoked them and took their territory and then used their cairn, their holy site and converted it. And it's now theirs. And everyone did this except the Croatan, the Wendigo and the Uptena. Now, why? Well, because they're in the pure lands. Mm hmm. They made their ancestral walk here. They made their peace with the kin here. They were welcomed and they taught people how to live off the land and know the ways. And they were tackling a bigger problem, which we learned from this this uh, Wild West uh, supplement that uh, it's exactly to take care of the Banes over here. The heaviest hitting Banes that we've seen in Apocalypse came out of America. And Utena actually had them trapped. And the Croatan died to put one off the table. So why is it that the werewolves were looking at them as heroes. Where is that? Why Why weren't they looking at the pure why? tribes? Why are they looked at as heroes? Right? When will you rage, right? That's what the whole thing you're beating, that mother's being raped. Yeah, but you're the one not using a condom, Guru. Yeah. You hear what I'm oh, saying? Why do the why do the other the the Wormbringer tribe see themselves as heroes? Is you that, got that, it. Okay, all right. Now you I now it. I understand. Now I'm tracking. Yeah, uh, it's because so, they won and they get to write the history. That's, exactly. That's what I took from fucking this. That's exactly like, this is, right. Yeah, there, there's nothing. There's nothing honorable about what the Get did or anyone else really when Although you start nice seeing us. like the larger picture. Now, what's cool about this West book and the fact is that they point that out. And it's the Bonars who are filled with venom. Like, mm-hmm. just kind of in there, look what you guys did. You, you happy? And in the Wild West, at this point, the Fianna are not happy with themselves. They know they came through a manifest destiny, forcing their kin, bringing the Irish and Scots in and letting them take the heat for what they were doing, really following them along. And if, if you're the Irish and Scots, you couldn't live where you were. Bad famines, political issues, you know, um, religious issues and persecution. So you came over here to, to land of opportunity. Nothing wrong with that. 
And so you came over here to see if you could get along, get along. We know from the Appalachians that we covered that there was some strong Native American and Irish-Scottish mix and immigration that got along famously. And still to this day, there's descendants of that mix that learned to live off the land. However, that wasn't good enough for some greedy-ass colonists who got over here and gotten what? Politics. <laughs> hmm. Now, what's beautiful how they paint this picture is that the Wild West is where those seeds start growing. It's the first bitter harvest from the worm. That we, hey, you had to come over here to live, live and let live, but we snuck our diseases in. <laughs> you know, we made sure we had our people in to, to help those for Mori. Uh, things happen. It didn't take much to convince the get that, hey, it's Mike makes right. Hey, look, the tenor is suspicious. See, they're over there in that holy site, but why didn't they invite you in? Why did they give you the stink eye when you came by? And the get were like, well, we're going to go ask them tomorrow. And if they're closed, we're walking in. We're going to see what's worth seeing. And if they fight us, guess what? Well, what do you think happened? The get went in there and found like the two Uktena Bane tenders there. One was really sick looking and reeked of the worm. Do you think they asked them what's going on? Mm. No. no. Uh, fight the worm wherever it dwells. My man, wherever it dwells, wherever it breeds. Killed them, slaughtered them, freed the Bane. They didn't even notice it. And we're sticking around because what the Bane do? I'm weak and getting the hell out of here. You're not trapping me twice, but thanks for the energy boost. Enjoy <laughs> your dead Cairn site. And I'm out of here, right? And left. The new tenor were like, you dumb bastards. And they couldn't understand them. And they didn't try. Because remember, the assumption, I, I love this about players. Whenever there's been a Wild West game I've ever seen, it's, well, we all speak the guru tongue. So naturally, we, we commonly can understand one another. And it's like, do you? Because that, <laughs> that makes up for the culture differences in the tribe and the region, right? Mm. We're just, no, no, you can growl and we can get the gist and we can fight or not fight. There's that there. But we don't know what the hell you're trying to be uh, suave about in the guru tongue, okay? So um, let's remember that. So you have a powder keg where the worm gets the rule through deception in the Wild West. This is what happened. The real truth is the pure lands were pure in isolation. But the moment time caught up to them, and eventually it would because we failed at the Impergium, the children of Weaver, us, mankind, were going to grow over here, and we did. And they had no way to defend it because the pure tribes didn't know they were supposed to talk to their cousins across the pond <laughs> about anything. They were like, they have their land and we're over here. They must be doing what we're doing. They haven't come here and there's no problem we've heard of and everything's copacetic. Well, we were wrong, right? <laughs> this, mm -hmm. Well, shit, this happens. Well, why mention the War of Rage now? Because we're at the backdrop of that. That happened, and a resurgence of the war rage happened when they came here. So in the ancient past, there's a war rage, and all the werewolves thought we killed all the pharaoh. Now, when they get over here, they were like, wait a minute, the Pumankar here? Nah, <laughs> nah, get out of here. You're not, you know, you know what, kill them, finish the job. No one's going to notice, take their land, right, says the Fianna. And the Shadow Lords go, why is there this weird coyote who can't stop giggling? He, he literally keeps pissing on everything I buy. <laughs> I went into the store, got my new spurs, got my new boots. I put them on, and then he walked up and pissed on my shoes. Now, I've tried hitting him. He keeps disappearing in the Umbra, telling me, chase me. I chased that guy. I did. I tried. And, and he disrespected me when I got tired. When I was tired, he said, did you learn your lesson yet? I don't know what lesson it is, but we're going to deal with these guys. Nobody pisses <laughs> on my new shoes. Right? And then the Shadow Lords hunted them to the Umbra. Literally, were like, kill all Noesha. Let's get rid of them. Who cares they're here for? You're supposed to be dead. And that's what they did. And, and the Korax were like, we're not going to wait for this. We're just going to go to the Wendigo. And they were like, hey, Wendigo, we're being hunted. And Wendigo goes, you're the eye in the sky. You're a sacred totem. You will not be hunted here. Bye. 
And then the one that hit Trunk Gorex is like, uh, cool in the gang. We're over here at Raven School. By the way, uh, the Getter over here, they're going to come from over there. The Silver Fangs are weak. They do some weird inbreeding thing. I don't know what's going on. Do you know all this already? And the Wendigo were like, no, but you're going to keep talking anyway, as you do. And that's and that's how the Wendigo are. Right? They just heard them out when we hold the line here. And the rest be damned. And that's the second War of Rage. So in the West, it's like, you can be a shifter, but you were in some dire circumstances. Like the Pumaka, of course, are not hunt to extinction. But remember, they're solitary. They're definitely not in the lands they had, though. Their den realms ran out and overtook, and they're playing kind of tag with who's left in their territory, and that's it. And they outline in this book, just this is this is how it is. But the gift disparity is for that very reason. You got to figure, if you're down to the last of anybody, their best secrets are the reason why they're still alive. That makes sense? Yeah, makes perfect sense. So you're that's not going to see the baby gifts that are going to be there to be compared to a world. There is no balance here. This is telling a story. So yeah, you're going to come dudes, across. The, these are dudes you got to pack a lunch for. Yeah, exactly. You will play three little bears on a garal. And if you come across a garal now, you're probably going to be the last one to ever do. Right. You better hope that garal ain't upset by a sight that they see you. Because if they remember you, ooh, right, it's on. No question. And that's that's what we're walking into uh, with the Frontier book. But it's not just that uh, that's uh, that's dwelling in this book. We have the gifts. Yes, they're going to talk about uh, the purposes of, uh, of the shapeshifters, at least the World of War of Rage. And then you get into what a Korax is. Now, for the layman here, I'm going to turn this over to you guys. Who wants to tackle what they say a Korax represents? Sure. Um... I, I got it. <laughs> um, so the Korax are um, messenger gossip espionage specialists. <laughs> according, they, uh, to Gaia. <laughs> according to Gaia. According to Gaia, right? They uh, they make certain to distinguish them from from uh, crows, right? The Korax are ravens, to be clear. Oh. Wow. Uh, oh, we gotta <laughs> we gotta be uh, we gotta make sure they're not the tiny little like. Uh, uh, annoying birds right they're the big you know the the whole edgar Allan poe wrote a whole poem just about that tribe right right the omens of ill fortune with four foot wingspans and mm-hmm. and ponderous beaks that'll cut your face which, which actually makes sense if you think about it because they're gonna be like gaia spies they're not gonna be telling you anything you really want to hear <laughs> well the information is useful they bring the yeah. they bring the word that you need uh-huh. Look, um death chicken Death chicken. Yeah, it's true. Sure. sure. Right. That, that works. Um, I'm teasing with you, Mike. Um, please continue, sir. Um, just well, no, I was just gonna say, you know, like like every changing breed, they got multiple forms. Um, but what stood out to me about them was that they get their gifts from Helios through trickery. I, I like I love their legendary. <laughs> I'm gonna try to see if I can remember this and I read it straight from the text. Basically, Helios gets jealous, right? Because everybody loves Luna. Luna's handing out all of these blessings. And he says, well, fuck it. I'm going to go over here and be on my own. You guys can have a moon and no sun. Let's see how you do with no daytime. And the Korax say, well, I think Raven would be impressed. Let's try something. And so they fly mirrors up to the sun and trick him into thinking that everybody's getting along just fine without him by showing him (laughs) his own face. Yeah, see, we hired another celestial orb to replace you. But we can help you get your job back if you just come on down. Um, I feel like I feel like they got this trick from Coyote. It does sound like Coyote, doesn't it? 
Well, like it was an Acme branded mirror. Now, why would it oh. sound like Coyote? Could it not be that the Nuisha have a face of Coyote they follow that is indeed Raven? Sure. Sure. I guess and, Raven could be the real face of the trickster. It makes what I'm pointing that. out. What I'm pointing out is, so this is the connection, right? We already mentioned, or at least I did mention, you guys weren't there, but I did mention that the Nuisha definitely do revere Coyote as one of the many faces is Raven. And Raven is a different wisdom, right? Pranking is a thing for all Nuisha, and this is a face of it. You're not wrong. Hmm. However, Coyote is also, or excuse me, uh, Raven is also wisdom. It's its own totem, its own entity. And there are children of Raven. That's the Korax. And they say that they assist in the memory of Gaia. They believe in taking the secrets of others. That's the most important thing to mention about them. It's good to know the technical info that you were throwing out here, but I don't want folks to miss, at least in the podcast miss, the fact that in review, the purpose of a Korax is to steal the secrets most needed to assist. That's that which someone holds so tightly to that the Korax know would be useful in an oncoming war or to save a Cairn or save even one werewolf or whoever that's on the side of Gaia they will use that secret and give the knowledge as needed for a price, typically. Right. Or right? a shiny. Not, right. <laughs> they call it a shiny. And that's where I find it annoying. <laughs> I do. I really, really do. Right? Because to me, you have this super awesome, cool position. You're like going, I'll tell you the info to help you. If you have a silver coin for me or something that shines in the light, I like things that glow. Did you suddenly lose your intelligence? Like, what, what are you talking about? Like, you know, you know, well, then a fetish then. Why? So your function is greed? <laughs> You're already stealing secrets to give to people to help out, but then I have to give you something because you are so greedy that you can't just help to help. And it's sort of, it's a nitpick, but it's because, you got to remember, I always come from the hero perspective when we talk about these books. Players play to be heroic. Is hmm. it possible and so in the back of my head, I'm always coming from that opinion that I don't see how the Korax are heroic. Let's lay it down. Your purpose is memory and stealing secrets to help out. Why didn't you steal the secret that the greedy-ass Silverfang King was the one who let loose the War of Rages coming and told the other tribes that what you're doing is wrong? You could have flown to the Red Town and let them know you're fighting on the wrong side. You could have went and reason to whoever. Especially because the Korax have the internet. They have the internet. They well, can talk to each other right. over any... No, 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 no. I mean, when I say the internet, I mean they can talk to each other over any distance. If a Korax you wants you to I know... I believe that's called Twitter, Mike. <laughs> <laughs> it's, it's, it was cracking me up how you went to I was like, I was hoping he could recover from internet. But it's a, it's a spiritual link that lets them communicate. Yeah. Mike, that, well, there are people who are literal that listen, that will go, you're oh. wrong. There was no internet back in the Wild West time. There was no way they did that, Mike. <laughs> Got to remember it, right? Sorry, I apologize. My my analogy was a bit of a. Um, <laughs> but no, I'm with you. I'm with. You. And so that raises another question because I, I was when they when they were describing the Korax, I was expecting some crossover explanation with, um, uh, uh what? Mm, Rar, Macaulay, and Silent Striders. There seems to be shared purpose here. Is that my imagination? Why are you jumping out the book? We didn't even get to Macaulay yet. Well, what I'm saying I, is you just you said that the most important part of the Korax to recall, mm-hmm. to mention, is that they uh-huh. they they acquired the secrets that are needed. They're right. Gaia's memory, right? 
they're part also de- part of. They're also described as messengers. When I think messengers, mm-hmm. I think silent striders. And when I think memory, I think Makole. So is there... You're not wrong, right? Because this is a little advanced notice. And Nemesis, right? That is part of the Macaulay. They are literally the memory of God. They're dinosaurs. We're not, we're not there yet. But I'm going to let you okay. have that. And But in Wild West, you're right. And you could say Messenger is Silent Strider. But they were forced to be that. That wasn't what they wanted to be. It's what they were forced to be, as they uh-huh. have no homeland or forced to wander. So that's where that where that is. Now, you could just make Silent Strider's mem- uh, uh, what you call it, Messengers, but that's sort of stereotypical. Mm-hmm. And well, I right. think it, it cuts a lot out of like the stuff we covered in their tribe book. Here's, uh, here's anyway, right. Wild here's West. Wild West. Not just Wild West. What is the purpose of the Guru? Warriors of Gaia. Right. They have lied. The Guru don't know what their purpose is anymore. <laughs> they don't. You laugh. I don't. Why well, don't laugh? Well, I am laughing. But why why I don't laugh is because this perspective comes from after reviewing all these books and in synchronicity, looking at them all, seeing them all, seeing the perspective. It's the greatest laugh the beast of war of the worm has ever done. It's the best corruption ever. You have convinced the werewolves that were honorable, that did have purpose, that were multitudinous, that were protectors of a type, and they were supposed to protect who? Uh, probably Gaia and everything Gaia made. Humans. Oh, yeah. Fuck. What? Humans. Wait, it's wait, not what? Up. Really? They were supposed well, to serve as the example to caretake humans and watch over them. To show them the right way to live off the land and honor the Earth Mother. It does make sense, right? Like, um, you saying that, especially in the, um, the crap, I can't remember their name. What was the thylacine tribe in Australia? I can't remember I either. Can't, I forget their name too, but uh, that's uh, that's that suddenly slipped my mind. But I know what you're referring to. But that's uh, right. I, I bring that up with a, with a, a reason, though, right? Like when we covered that the book, bunyip, bunyip, yes. Um, they never practiced the impergium, right? They didn't call their people, and because they never needed to, right? Instead, they they did work with them. They did walk alongside them like the the pure tribes did as well. Um, and that always sticks out to me because the the bunyip. Um, the people that uh, lived in Australia never suffered the uh, the delirium because the impergium was never practiced, so there was never that memory of it. And and you get that because the dreamlands were always to teach a lesson, right? We we did that in Australia. We did talk about that heavily. How they were very much mentors of the natives over there. That's that's what they did, mm-hmm. and so they were seen as different from the group. But is it different, or were they the purest of the group? Because they never was, they never deviated from what they were supposed to be, which is kind of ironic because they came from thylacines, which aren't even wolves. But uh, they didn't come from thylacines. Remember, that's what they had to mate with. Right. That's that's what they came into. Right. Like uh, the, like how the red talons aren't even wolves anymore over there. They're dingoes. And that's the uh, that's the effect. I mean, that's 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 what you have, um, because when your enemy is able to trick you and run you off, that's what you're left with. Mm hmm. Now, so that means War of the Apocalypse has always been about warring with humans. And look how they set it up. It's werewolves against mankind across the board. The Impergium is only over because the humans can now kill you. Almighty werewolf. You think they can't, but they are. And they're choking you. And your enemies easily use them and arm them and prepare them to do better and better ways to kill you. So you're not a hero when you play War of the Apocalypse. You're a survivor. And how are you going to survive to do your alleged purpose well you got to have some sort of creed to keep you going and so they call themselves the warriors of gaia we'll kill anything if it's warm we'll smoke it 
will defend any land from the highest of the high to the lowest. Of the, yeah, okay, we get it. Um, but when you look at this Wild West book, they more than got it. It's just they couldn't do fuck all about it. Think about it. Once you realize that you serve the worm, and man, oh man, did these tribes realize. I think the Fianna got hit hard when you see the perspective in the West, right? It started being this very bigoted mentality coming through. And then when they pumped the brakes and they got what they wanted, at what cost? And then they had to realize what they did. And it was far too late. Far too late. And uh, a lot of them had a mentality. Who didn't have that was the get. Now, why is that? Well, I could say that if the get emulates strength above all else, that's your own answer. They A warrior doesn't worry about tomorrow. They don't worry about the past. We did what we had to do because that was the task set before us, and it was done. And if we're changing, then so be it. But right now it worked, so why worry about it? Worse, why are we crying about it? If our ancestor was wrong and that ancestor be alive, let's punish them or kill them, but then let's be done with it. And it's interesting, right? A lot of tribes practice that mentality. However, it's worded differently for them. Children of Gaia should be the most guilty. Remember what they said. They came through and they said, okay, we're in the West. Look what we're doing. Don't worry. We'll teach these country bumpkins, these natives, how to, how to be proper people, how to get mm. civilized. We speak their language now. We learned it. We were out. We were roughing it with them. We'll show them how to build a log cabin. You know, they're the, da, 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 they're da, da. the insidious uh, destruction through assimil- uh, assimilation. You got it. Uh. You got it. They came through with that. Did some of them realize it? Yes. At the end, realize what they were doing. How could they not realize <laughs> it? Well, you can't blame them because when you well, you can blame them, but then you're still serving the worm. That's mm. where you got to realize this. That's what this book is trying to teach you to get the underlying tone. You're playing. When you play the Wild West, you're playing that element that is either going to embrace common culture and be a racist shithead in the pursuit of greed, follow that gold rush, do whatever, be a robber baron or a train guy or an outlaw, whatever you're going to do. Or you're going to be that element, that frontiersman that realizes that uh, the natives have the land they have. We have to learn to live with them because we're here now. We're both here. But there is some damage that's been done that they're trying to help take care of and we need to help them take care of. But also our communities need each other. So we're here to do that, too. And that should be the game. At least that's the one that's most attractive to me is when you get players realizing that and then trying to handle those challenges, which are more than enough compared to the others. And to kind of step forward here, Frontier's book shows you one big group out of this whole thing that I want to make sure we mention that are look like your friends. So I assumed, and maybe I'm wrong, Brennan, did you not look at the Society of the Weeping Moon in this book? Yes, I did. I looked at that uh, pretty in depth. What's what are they? What do they seem like? Let's start there. So the uh, they actually remind me a lot of one of the a couple of the groups we read about in like the uh, crap. What is it? Victorian era vampire. It mm. is, uh, and it's still because it, they they come from the same era and the same background. Like with this, it's a secret society. Right. Think uh, it's not like, uh, well, no, I guess it is more like eyes wide shut in some ways, but it's they're They're based off of things like, you know, the odd fellows, the Masons, uh, the what is it? The Golden Dawn, like mystical secret societies, but also with back scratching business deals. Right. Only it's not just uh, a business networking thing or something for retired guys to do on Saturday nights because they don't have anything else to do. They also serve the worm. And, and more than that, the power that they have is a twisted mockery of like, well, the, the auspices of the moon that the werewolves like uh, base a lot of their society around. 
And, uh, oh, yeah, they get that power from, I think it's the Storm Eater. <laughs> yeah, these are not good guys. These are not vampires. These are not like out and out, out, out vampires or big monsters or Fomori that you might be able to find and be like, ah, oh, there's a big fight here. No, these are the guys. These are the these are what the robber barons stem from. Right. These are those kind of uh, antagonists. This is pre Pintex. So there's none of that going around at this point. But you can see where the foundations of that is being laid. And. As a member of the society, we've been going to completely challenge your, your strong theory. Um, <laughs> with the mm. worm, no. Um, you haven't been to our seventh circle, right? Obviously, to be consecrated in the name of Luna. Uh, but I, I'll forgive you because you claim to be a werewolf and you understand that or these other pharaohs that seem to think you want to say, why, why, why do we as humans are not allowed our mysticism? After all, you use it. And so we learn to do the same thing. And in every city where our society is allowed to thrive, they love us. The mayor is on down. We don't tell you to get rid of your Christianity, but it is yours. In fact, we tell you to be the community you choose to be. So God's great. Have a church. Have two. Mm. Need us to fund your chapel. Absolutely. Need us to show up on Sunday. We're there twice. We love a good big sale. And we're, and we're there to show up. And we take care of everybody, every human from the top down. We ask one thing, though. You don't inter interrupt our rights. You leave us to our privacy to have those rights. And probably the most important is that you be prepared to work in the name of progress. What does that mean? <laughs> well, the rail business is booming. We want this to be a rail town. It's going to come through. We want to help you. And so the Iron Riders say, these guys aren't so bad. And then I turn around and say, well, it's unfair that we're making all this money. We need to tax to the great United States of America. Well, they're going to need that. So why don't we put in a union station so we could easily send our taxes to town make, you know, every quarter, every month or whatever they need so we can help them out. And while we're at it, let's bring good, wholesome families that want to make decent wage out here. So we could turn around and help educate the natives that are out here because we can't war with them forever. And we certainly can't kill them. That's wrong to do, but let's get them what they need. You know, a job, a place to live, a log cabin in the city. How about fur trapper trade and slaughterhouses? Let's start, let's start those up. This is the society of the weeping moon. They come in and say, we're going to build up your town. That's what we're going to do. Because we're all living in the same rock, trying to make deal with what we have. And look at all this abundance we've been given. In the meantime, while you sleep, though, we're going to go ahead and uh, a few daughters are going to go missing. Definitely the occasional odd child you didn't like anyway. We'll take that grifter that came in. You don't need him. And uh, we're going to bring him in to a sacred circle where uh, all sorts of not so good things are going to happen. By the way, we're also going to respect the law 100%, except where um, the mayor wanted to get his, uh, his dingle wet with a certain girl of a certain age that's we, we need to talk about it uh that incident of a kid who stole from uh, a town alderman and uh he got shot in the dead of night turns out it was a hunting accident <laughs> we learned oh, to, no. to forgive we learned <laughs> to forgive um jesus saves but the society forgives right because the worm gives you that forgiveness and you begin to understand just how insidious the society is and it's more than a masonic cult Right. It's definitely more than that. We mentioned Eyes Wide Shut. That's a Hellfire Club. When you watch Eyes Wide Shut, that is the Hellfire Club and a modern take of it. What was the point of the Hellfire Club? Well, if you've been there, I have uh, to see the uh, was it the Hellfire Caves in England. Uh, it was a lovely, lovely place to be. But these guys are so hardcore. Their inner circle had their hearts removed upon death to place them in an urn and a site on that property called heaven. 
they would put their hearts in there and these big orange, you can see this very day, are stored up in the open air in a place called heaven. And it looks like a nice little outdoor mausoleum. However, they had statues made of themselves that allegedly their spirits inhabit so they can party eternally mm. down in the caves. And they call that place hell because hell is where all the fun happens. Mm. So your soul is safe for all time and your spirit can party on. And that's an interesting belief of that group. They had a lot of interesting things there. And don't forget, a near and dear Earl was mentioned in there, the Earl of Sandwich, by the way. <laughs> you owe him every time you eat a sandwich. No joke. Right? There it is. Some thoughts. There's a lot of fun, cute things that go with that. That's fun historical take on it. But when you look that stuff up, because you can cite that easily, you begin to think of the structure the Society of the Weeping Moon must have. Right? This is not backwater people that are part of these societies. These are the upper crust. Consider the very best. This is what happens when you have money and boredom and they combine. To be honest, they're showing you that. But now add the world of darkness. If you have money and ye be bored, there is something listening to your dire need to be entertained. Now, what could that be? Well, how about an urge worm? Take your pick. Don't worry. When heaven's ears close, hell is always listening. Right. That's how it is. We don't miss a step down here. That's that's what they let on. And the authors do a beautiful job of showcasing that. All right. They get power from the worm to make, well, Banes and other things. But they open the imagination of, of well, you the ST when you think about frontier secrets in the Wild West. Just how deep do you want to get into it? Is the whole society aware of it? Absolutely not. Right, we're talking inner circle, special people on top. They're the ones that are deep in it. It's even possible to be a player character who thinks that the society has something to it. Mm-hmm. They are supporting the community. They are doing well to help people. However, they're also forgiving certain well, blasphemies. Mm. Can you live with that? Yes or no? And you know, Check that box. That's what makes them a great villain. Now, remember, I may not... Uh, agree that werewolf is uh right well it's not it's not it's not apple pie uh to be a werewolf it's a hard road right your ancestors have done a lot of blood in their hands that when you play no matter what game you start you tend to well you don't have to but you really probably should consider that hopefully you are better than them (laughs) better than those that came before you and you know who's going to remember your name meaning you're going to do something of worth now well that's all great um the storm eater is something to mention again because uh, of the connections here. And the relationship between the two should be discussed. I didn't want to uh, necessarily go that deep, but it is worth mentioning. It's one of the few times you see that uh, a society of evil has a conscience. And they mention it just like that. Mm-hmm. What was that conscience's name, though? Well, <laughs> uh, the storm eater, technically. Uh, technically. All right. Technically. So is it, do you just call it a conscience if it just steers you towards evil? Is it? Is that still just a conscience? Well, that's what your conscience does, doesn't it? It tells you what's right from wrong. Oh, yeah. All right. That's what it is. Okay, fine. I think someone flipped it, but, you know, whatever. The conscience well, is simply a signpost. It doesn't tell you which way to walk. <laughs> yeah but it inspires right there's that too there's that too it's an interesting way to put it that uh their whole function is you know the ends justify the means but what's the storm eater doing well if you remember the storm eater is a worm entity hmm. that has bonded with the weaver hmm. to kill the abundance of the wild that's here hmm. sole purpose is just is that not what the society is by description 
Yeah, I'd say so. It's growing it's pretty and damn accurate. And the worm's still there. All right, so that's good. To what? Kill all Farah. Kill all Guru. Using what, though? Mysticism. That's the key ingredient to the society. What's up, Mike? Well, I mean, you got me thinking. Like, I, I get the impression, and it's probably from something you've said on a previous podcast. I don't think the storm eater gives a shit about the guru. It eats people in towns, and 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 it brings progress in the wake of destruction. And like the guru are giving themselves enough trouble, right? Like, what are the? I don't think this. I think the society would totally happily corrupt some pharaoh who decided to walk into one of their meetings as long as they didn't cause problems, right? Well, I didn't say they're there to kill. That'd be playing the society all wrong, wouldn't it? Yeah, 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 yeah. I suppose so. Yeah, yeah. They're they're very benevolent foot forward. Very Amazon, Google, Apple. You know, we are here to make things better. Plus ultra. So if we were part of the society right now, we would be saying, ladies and gentlemen, there has been gold found in Newark. Come on out to Newark and the Society of the Weeping Moon will gladly show you where this gold is. All we require you to bring is potluck. Something for the homeless that are there. Maybe an extra jacket, some spare clothes. We're doing a food drive, a clothing drive, but also having an outdoor barbecue so everybody can enjoy all the fixes that get there. Show up, free parking. Everything's fine. We even get discounted beer, but we couldn't make it free. Alas, we know a lot of you would show up for that alone. But we need uh, you to come here with your hat, with thinking caps on. And hopefully, let's all get a little more wealthy in this life to do a little bit of good. What do you say? Now, everyone shows up and at the festival. And we use the podcast to do it. And when everybody gets there to Newark, what are we really doing? Fracking. Uh, right? Uh, we have uh, everybody come in here and, and you know, we have some experts. Okay, everybody, get back to the barbecue. We got to do this. But enjoy the live outdoor super band. What do you mean? I don't know. We got like uh, Blink-182 couldn't make it. So we we drug up this old band that's still doing circuit music. I think they're called Rage Against the Machine, but we gave them access to full volume. So they're just going to play. <laughs> we love Rage. They're awesome. And, and as Zach De La Roca is spitting some hot fire loud as possible. Um, great. Let's frack. And everybody goes, what's that? Well, the mining's still going on. We're trying to help you do the gold mine. So we're, we're letting loose all that earth to get it going. Well, what are those trucks for? They're going to make sure none of the bad earth or none of the toxic waste from this bad environment we live in get on everybody here at the festival. Oh, well, that makes sense. Enjoy this free pretzel, though, while you wait. <laughs> hey, what do you think of the beer? We know we got like 500 different types from several tap houses have donated. Do you enjoy the look? You get what I'm doing. Yeah. Right. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, yeah. it's sleight of hand. You're over here, but you're not seeing what we're really doing. And then at the end of it, do we find gold? You sure shit find gold. Why? We bought up all sorts of gold from all over the place. And we already split it up. And what did we do? We did some stupid Easter egg thing where we churned the earth and already pre-buried the gold. And we're like, good luck to whoever showed up to the festival. We hope you find your worth. What did we do? We invested like $15 million in gold is out there buried. And boy, are we on hand to make sure we can collect the gold to give you the money everybody, for it. Everybody who leaves the festival is going to have nothing but stars and bars and, and great things to say about the Weeping Moon Society. And you bet your sweet ass that $15 million, where do we get it from? Government subsidy. Mm. <laughs> right? Taxpayers paid for the money we got to do this. You paid for your own fracking, and we're walking away, check in hand from all the money we're going to make about the, the little bit of oil that was under there. Yeah. But we wrecked that town forevermore moving on. That is what the Society of the Weeping Moon does. Right now, you're going to ask yourself, how does this help the storm eater? Mm. Well, that's Weaver, isn't it? 
Mm. Weaver definitely an involvement with the worm's corruption doing what? Destroying the wild. You're not growing some guy in super forest at the end of that fracking. And that town has given it a thumbs up and we hope to be there for the next one. Because why? Daddy got to buy a new house out that gold I turned in. Man, right? is it good. And they walk away and the homeless are fed and people got jackets. Isn't it awesome? You'll have children of guy all over the place going, those guys sure are swell. <laughs> right. But then you have Lieutenant Wendigo. I can't wait to skin you. <laughs> right. And then what happens then? Well, the beast of war is winning then, isn't it? Yeah. We don't even want to talk to you about what you did. We're just going to kill you, which is how insidious the frontier is, at least at this point in time. Now you could set it up. But with it all being doom and gloom, that's really what the frontier secrets is about. It gives you the skinny behind the society that it didn't give you in the main book. The main book kind of set them up to just be this Masonic society that you guess is good, that they're doing their thing. This is the other shoe. Well, out in them and letting you know what they have going on. And it gives you their structure, how to be them, how to represent them, what about them. Not just them, though. Because we do have fans and we already broke the evil V topic on the werewolf podcast. I always hate it when we bring vampires up or werewolf for one reason. We do so much vampire. I don't want to interrupt the, the werewolf fans from getting their werewolf stuff, but you get to mention them here because this is the first place you see that werewolves have hard Intel on vampires. Yes. Remember that section? Oh yeah. Where they're talking about the wormies and the bruja, the witches. This, this shit is great. Even the names on are enough. Mm-hmm. One of my favorite are the Bruja. Mexican witches, you got to watch out for them. It's it's really good and worth to read it, right? Um, they put down there, it's, uh, I'll tell you the exact quote. The Bruja. Bruja is Mex or Spanish for which, so I'm told. Mm. Seems a fit enough name for these vampires. They're always moving faster than the wind and disappearing in the blink of an eye. Traveling packs like witches, screech like witches too. These ones go right terrible tempers, and they're always a howling and a caterwauling like the damn souls they are. I swear, a brujon, you know, fits enough to raise your hackles in it. And that's and that's really what they do. Like the whole thing is clowning on their version of what a vampire is that they've encountered and how they understand it. And they do they do a lot of them that are in here that they've encountered in the West. Now what's cool about that is you know how to represent it in your game because of it. So many people do this uh, sort of re- reversal mentality behind it. What I mean by that is uh, they get the the notion of representing a vampire as a static Bane thing that's going to be there. And, uh, you know, cool. I'll go now get the 20th anniversary vampire book, build me a competent vampire stall game or whatever it is and go through the pain of making a character that I don't want to get killed in 30 seconds by the worlds as they encounter them. Yet that'd be a mistake. Because here in Frontier Secrets, they give you stats to empower that vampire to be alive mm-hmm. and actually be a threat or not a threat as you need them for your campaign. And they actually did make a good effort, especially for a first ed book, to start trying to show you how you can have that game without you owning the vampire books at all. Yeah, I do remember the the V20 book did that with the werewolf and like the right stuff as well, because like I, I do think you can make a lot more fun. There's more like variability if you go into those. But that requires a lot of knowledge about a lot of different books. And if you're just trying to like run a game new, like that's all you need. It's going to get it's probably going to be so close that no one's going to even know. It's a thing <laughs> is the best way to get it. Uh, but they also mentioned mad scientists. And this is a unique thing to the Frontier Secrets, and I think it should be used, too. Um, Not only because it's in this book, because a lot of folks may not even know of that. 
I like the idea of uh, the because it's a trope you hear too. There's a there's a game called Deadlands. Mm-hmm. We're going to stumble upon it yes. somewhere in this line. We're going to mention it, but they have mad scientists in that game too, like the traditional, which are pretty cool. And what are they? They're exactly what you think they are. They are people who are exploring science in the craziest of experiments to do the most dynamic of things to benefit what they have going on. And they do have startup stats for them and give you an idea of what they could do. And they supplement it with gifts, right? Because that's what they have. But they mm-hmm. do give you solid intel as to what these guys are like and how you may represent them in the game as players encounter it, which this book is exactly suited to give you the taste and flair to make this different from a modern werewolf campaign to enhance your Wild West experience. That said, I should probably give a give a throwback to uh, magic here. Um, you can't avoid it. Mage of the Ascension is something that is, uh, it does touch werewolf in several places. Mm-hmm. This is yet another one of them where they mentioned magic, M-A-G-I-C-K. Now, I've heard folks, folks call it magic. I call it magic because that way I know how to spell it. Right? <laughs> if, you tell, if you tell me it's magic, I know it's I-C-K. If you just call it magic, I know it's no K. And we just do it that way. And I've heard all sorts of fancy, fancy caterwauling about how magic is magic and true magic is magic. All right. You're right. We, we got you. I believe you. Um, but um, they are mentioned in here, our super psychics, and they give an idea behind what they're for and what they're about as well. Um, you already know it. Like the, the idea that we're going to run into mage pretty heavily is beyond compare. And, uh, but in the book, they're enough to build stats to let you know of things that you could do, specific dice rolls to represent this or that. Or if you got the Mage of the Ascension rule book, you could just use the sphere magics located in there, as they point out, uh, to help you out if you're confident in that. But if you're not, this supplement helps you uh, run the game without needing the Mage book to have those, uh, well, those magicians here as you need it. Why might I use a mage, Brennan, in, in, in a Werewolf Wild West game? Um, as a, there's there's a couple of different ways that that could be run. Um, like uh, competition for like either uh, places of power like cairns or fetishes because mages are the super curious. I'm gonna stick my nose where it doesn't belong. I know this doesn't belong to me, but I'm gonna obsessive because this is cool arcane power and i don't know what this is so i want to know what this is and oh look where did these seven giant half man half werewolf things come from all i did was take this like really big knife that's as long as my forearm i thought it was cool i'm gonna go uh right or um someone that is a in some situations, right, like we, I can see this happening with dream speakers, uh, like how we were talking about with the pure tribes, how they were like uh, teachers or guardians to their kinfolk and the the people around them. So, too, would these mages be only they know there's something weird about this guy. He's not one of us. Right. So it could be a reverse where it's a, a thing of curiosity for the werewolves to see. The that absolutely covers the werewolf connection. I will definitely give you that where it's out of pockets of exactly the way you described it. I don't want to go over your words there um, because well said. However, they do give you a bone to throw in that if you are a mage player, have a mage book and mage centric. um, One of the biggest events for mage happens in the Wild West setting. 
And so they mentioned here, right? They mentioned between 1850 and 1900 that the organization of the technocracy <laughs> is born. It's a frightening aspect, right? Uh-huh. We don't know what the technocracy is, but they give you an idea here, right? They basically say that they had an order of reason becomes archaic. And the order of reason is simple. Back in their day, logic and reason serve a lot to conquer most superstition, which was the point. Their idea is to establish order, right? That is what the technocracy becomes, is to use science moving forward, have actual hard fact become a thing. And with the Industrial Revolution, new technologies, social revolutions, we are becoming more enlightened and moving forward, just as the weaver intended, say the werewolves. And mankind's at the forefront. And because of that, the technocracy seek to trap the sleepers accordingly. Do not awaken. <laughs> right? They want to control your TV set and everything on it. Or they want you to live long enough to enjoy the railroad to get to the TV set days. This is the idea behind it. And they're here and they give you that start. And uh, they definitely get into it, right? They, they show you, they showcase the beginning. Like, for instance, um, the Iteration X isn't a thing, but the artificers, their predecessors, that is. Mm. what they have mentioned here, so on and so forth. You get your head nods in here to a lot of what the modern has. And uh, that should pique some interest. Uh, They do mention the Homeland's War for Mages, right? Where explorers and settlers make permanent inroads into, well, Africa and the Americas, crushing indigenous cultures. So basically, there's a war here where the dream speakers in those lands are trying to defend their people from that technocratic crush that that bullshit basically. And it gives an idea that mage does have a bit of a, well, a strong connection with werewolf. Cause I hardly see how a certain band of people are going to stop this progress, even for mages. And in this book, it kind of lets you know that you can have all the magic power you want. You are still not stopping the inevitability of mankind. Mm-hmm. We are coming and we're going to do what we're going to do. And what do we do best than anything? Well, since the dawn of time, it's waging war. Killing others for what we believe we have to have and have the most of and establishing ourselves on these deific on high roles of might makes right. And it doesn't change. You even look to our time now, it still doesn't change. We still feel that's there. All your laws can't stop a war. And that's it's that simple. War is literally throwing the rule book out and we're going to let the battlefield dictate what happens. And as sad as it is, that still goes on. And what's great about mage is they kind of showcase that your whole point as a mage is to kind of wake people up to the fact that we need to move beyond that bullshit. That just because you're a quote unquote mundane or sleeper does not mean you have to, you have to actually accept the yoke of your masters who are trying to keep you dumb and sedate. That's not the point. How interesting. Because are the werewolves not meant to do the same thing? That's, That's not even to be preachy. I need people to see these inroads because otherwise the reviewing of the books does nothing. I'll be honest. If you want where if the apocalypse to be my base book and we just kill shit, stop listening, stop supporting. Mm. You already have that crack the book. See it. You're good. Build your character slaughter away. You need anybody to tell you how to do that. And you can justify it any way you want to, but the mature reader, the one who wants more out of their product, the one who wants to see the, what's not said, and what the direction might be from the artist's perspective and what the authors put down, you're going to get the fact that it is the players, i.e. the buyers of the material that we want to tell their story from their chronicles of how they work to change these great events and to stop these evils or to find a way to move forward. That's the prevention of the apocalypse or surviving it. Apocalypse, after all, is a new beginning. 
So if you look at it that way, where if the apocalypse is you are choosing a new path other than what got us here and the inevitable end. And then that becomes very fun. The Wild West, though, is a time period. And whenever you play in a time period, the whole fun is to be in that moment. And what impact can you have going forward in Chronicles? And they do address that a bit in here. For where we can load you up, everything you got going on, do you really think werewolves have a hand in stopping Fort Dearborn from being born, which later on becomes Chicago? They're really just around there, playing around at the fringes of whatever humanity is really doing. You, you could, right? But that's the point. Would you find that fun? Oh, I was talking about in the grand scheme of things. Uh, no, like, look, man, if we're going to play in a historical setting, I damn well expect our our choices to have like impacts right if we're going up against standard oil or something for some reason like i understand like not having like the the big like oorah like at the end the death star blows up and we all get medals i'm totally fine with never having one of those endings but i don't ever find it entertaining to have uh go into a game and it's like all right we already know how this is going to end because you can't actually do anything Right. So to have a, a game where we do that, it's going to be incredibly hard. It might be a monumental thing, but you could like destroy standard oil before it ever becomes a thing. And the Rockefellers are, are gone or whatever. Right. Because if we're not playing a thing where we can actually have impact in an historical setting, then what's the point? That's a, <laughs> that's also a hyperbolic example. Um, but I think you get the idea. <laughs> I do. I do. Um, two other things I want to mention before we uh, start winding down here. Um, the changing the dreaming is in here for the Savage West and, and representing a, an end to why you might want to do a changeling game here with this book giving the sort of in as to how you might want, want to run that. They also have Wraith. Now, changeling requires a little more doing because it's there's, there's many reasons you can see. I mean, they cite some stuff, uh, but and it does go over some historical peaches, like mentioning how Scathatch is in here. Um it's different, but they mention it and like why you might have them here. I think is obvious. If the dreaming's point is to, uh, well, stop that banality from creeping up and moving forward, this all seems to be a war to stop progress. It's really what it is, right? From the mages, from the werewolves, from uh, you name it. They're here to stop that train from coming in because it changes everything as the world knows it. And to find a way to make peace because they're freaking out. They don't know what the world's going to become. And it feels like it's coming to an end as it does for anyone who was forced to change. And this gives you an idea of how they can be in the West, discovering what they become and changing that. And some fun ways that you can actually invent those stories and they're not left behind. I would hope Wraith needs no explanation. Um, But you'd, you'd want to be guided. A lot of people don't get Wraith. And, and the point of playing Wraith, like one of the most depressed games in the world of darkness. And you're not wrong, but I don't think death should be taken with the light hardness either. I really do think that would ruin the point of Wraith. No, I, like, yeah, it, it's definitely seems probably the most outwardly uh, depressing one or probably the darkest one. But I mean, when you're dealing with ghosts, people that are dead, that are holding on to something because they had great regrets like that's that's the point of the game like you can't you can't have it be lighthearted or really any lighter than that or you miss the point of the game and to not have a wraith game be that point then like why would there be a ghost if it's not something like that you can't that's just what that general thing is <laughs> and with that 
for the Roy fans in here, they basically talk about the Empire of Stygia um, ruling the Shadowlands of North America and going as far as to go all the way back east. So what does that look like to the new American landscape? You got to remember, um, America is not new to the dead. They've, mm. they've had tribes warring here before frontier became the frontier and cowboys were a thing. So what's it look like to them? And really the story is the new dead finding their place in the old society and the new influx of the dead changes the landscape. But you now also have angry dead. You have situations where the dead, we don't got time to collect you, but yet you still have a purpose. I want you to think about the trail of tears in a different way. And why I say that is that it's still a tragedy. It's still bad, but imagine it's not mundane and we're fucked and nothing we can do about it. Imagine about 15 people getting together, uh, wraiths and able to, they have to inhabit their body because they can't move on. Right. And what do they become? And they're risen is the term. And now they're seeking revenge for what happened to them. But how do you get revenge on a government? And what does that look like? And they got to go about to figure it out. That's a wraith campaign that you instantly can throw in and, and throw out there. Or we'll get to Deadlands and you'll see how that can be included as well. This is fun aspects, but also hauntings. There's a lot of occult that make up what the Wild West was, what that frontier is. And speaking of the dead and messing with it and communication and guidance and all that. And ghosts play a huge part in it. And that's something that could be a lot of fun. And that's even where the Society of the Weeping Moon got thought of, no doubt. And to play with it to both uh, to both ends of what you're looking for. With all that said, um, Frontier Secrets is a great A book. It's a fantastic supplement um, for uh, to add to the Wild West uh I'd say genre and seems to be a linchpin because it gives a lot of inroads to even the other um, genre types, you know, mage where all of it. Mm-hmm. Uh, in, in this time frame, it, like with this book, I think it really, it gives a, a decent foundation for running like other, other games in it. Like we already mentioned mage, wraith changeling uh maybe even a vampire one even though it didn't actually talk about that but it's the wild west it's not like there's a lot of buildings here there's not a lot of feeding grounds how could vampires be out here uh figure it out in your game i can't i can't help you with that (laughs) there's there's ways to talk about it but at the same time it depends on what you're into and what you like if you like the idea of exploring new land new turf and how to build it up from nothing and you you're more comfortable with that setting like i know a lot of people aren't comfortable with a dark ages setting and trying to build a territory and be the lord of a fiefdom you know, that, that's a little hard. Um, you, could you handle building a town out of nothing? And it's the West. Mm-hmm. You know, this is a great spot to find it. And the rules are there for it. But I want to thank you, Brennan, of course, for accompanying us in this journey. This book wasn't very big, which is why we're sort of in out. Um, there's a lot of stats more in it. Like you're going to find like all your gifts that we sort of mentioned beginning. They do mention the Pumunka in here in detail. Mm-hmm. But I feel we did a whole Bastet book that was there as well. Um, you do have a Newisha book. We did that too, the Newisha in here. But definitely we talked about that. The Corex, we did mention to go into a little bit, but we're about to do a Corex book coming up. And uh, that's that's why. So we're not hot and cold here with you. We're just making sure that we get to the relevancy. So these podcasts become a little more or less redundant. Um, however, um, down to it, I believe Utena is the next book that we have coming out. And it is, uh, I did mention it, it is. It is Utena schedule uh, that we have here for Werewolf. So we'll get into them and hopefully they'll shed some light in this whole uh western frontier that we'll make sure to hit because we hit this tip as well um but with that thank you everybody for listening um thank you mike for being here i know that you had to drop here near the end though but i appreciate it and uh, we'll talk to you next time everybody see ya (laughs) 
Thank you for listening to our 25 years of Vampire the Masquerade podcast. If you like what you heard and would like to support us, please leave a review or share it with friends. Thanks again, and we'll catch you next time.